Hello, welcome back everyone. We're so grateful that you've all come back to join us for another episode of the Rebel Mama Hotline. For today's episode, as part of our awareness campaign with Women's Health Collective Canada, we will be discussing menopausal symptoms and mature health with specialist Dr. Sue Ross. That's right. Dr. Sue Ross is a leading expert and researcher on the management of menopausal symptoms, pelvic floor disorders, and aging well. Her focus is on improving the patient experience and ensuring the safety and efficacy of treatments available to mature women. Dr. Ross has led various research studies related to the management of menopause, including the effect of walking on menopause symptoms. Dr. Ross is now carrying out a national database study of the management of menopause in family medicine clinics that hopes to identify best practices for the management of menopause. Her other area of research is about aging well among First Nations women. Dr. Ross has been working with women in Masqua Cheese to explore the activities and lifestyle choices they themselves find useful as they age. She is also working with the community to explore how intergenerational cohesion can help women age well. By increasing the type and quality of treatment options available to mature women, Dr. Ross hopes to empower women and their doctors to select treatments best suited to their particular physical, mental, and emotional needs. And without further ado, please welcome Dr. Ross to the Rebel Mama Hotline. Welcome, Dr. Ross. Thank you for coming and joining us. We have so many burning questions for you. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> we are so looking forward to your expert insight, and we're excited to share this information with our audience because we want to raise awareness surrounding these very, very important issues. Yes. So shall we jump right in, Dr. Ross? Sure. Menopause affects every woman, virtually every woman. So, uh, you know, it's really good to have an opportunity to talk about it now before people, hopefully before people experience it, or if they are experiencing menopause, it can be difficult for women. I hope we'll talk about some of the problems today. That would be good. Yeah, I think there's a lot of curiosity in younger women who know it's coming because, as you said, yes, 100% of women experience this medical phenomenon. So <laughs> we like to prepare, you know. And I would like to just say that for context, I turned 41 and I feel like I'm teetering. Not that it's coming, but it's looming. Yeah. So <laughs> I w I'm very interested in this conversation personally. <laughs> coming closer. <laughs> so Dr. Ross, can you tell us about the types of research being done right now on women's aging health and menopause? And what are the most promising treatments for symptoms being proposed these days? Well, I think the, the, the um, issue that always comes up is hormones, you know, whether to take hormones or not to take hormones. And, um, you know, there's lots of evidence out there that some some women do benefit a lot from hormones, but there are lots of women actually who don't take anything and, you know, manage to cope. It's, it depends. It's a, such an individual thing. I mean, menopause is just different for every single person. And that's one of the reasons why, why it's such a difficult thing for people to cope with, because, you know, they may prepare to be ready to go and see the GP and get some hormones or, you know, and they may just never need it. And then they feel they've kind of, maybe they've missed something that didn't really, you know, they didn't really experience. So, I mean, it is difficult. And, um, 
I mean, I wish if there, if there was a one-size-fits-all treatment, that would be great, but really there isn't. And I think that lifestyle sort of ways of coping are probably the first line of attack for menopause uh, before jumping into medical treatments. What kind of lifestyle uh, <laughs> well, you know, things would you suggest? <laughs> I'm so into this, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, I think uh, the the important things are keeping active. And I think it's really good if you can find a, a menopause buddy. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a great tip. I like that, yeah. Uh, that's the way I managed. I had my, my next door um, colleague, uh, was going through menopause at the same time as I was and you know every now and again you'd find us zipping along the corridor to speak to each other about this is happening or that's happening and um, so that makes it much easier if there's somebody you could talk to who's going through the same thing at the same time that helps emotionally as well as uh, as giving you tips about things that other people find useful Um, but we ha- we've spoken to a lot of women in focus groups about the way they cope with with menopause, and it's such an individual thing. Some women are completely, you know, wiped out by menopause. They really have terrible symptoms that really change their lives. But I think those are actually in the minority, and that's what I hope we're going to find out from this family medicine project, because uh, you know we're hoping to find out how many women actually go and see a physician Um, and my feeling is it's probably only a few and they might just go once get some reassurance and then not need to seek help again but then there are the ones who need to go and see specialist physicians to deal with their menopause symptoms it's just such a huge spectrum and I think that's what makes it so scary is people always assume that they're going to be in the bad end of the spectrum rather than the you know somehow just get through it end of the spectrum so what are the more common symptoms like we know the hot flashes we know there's some weight gain breast changes stuff like that what are the main symptoms that you're finding well I think you've got them all really I mean there's uh you know there is uh depression and um anxiety um as you say weight gain is a big issue uh for some women um and uh, night sweats I've heard of too friends of mine have told me about like literally sweating through the night and their clothes are wet and their sheets are wet when they wake up yeah yeah. so that's it yeah that's something interesting actually that that we we found in the in the work we did with um women musquachis uh because you know, they were very anti sort of going to the physician and getting medication. So they had their own ways of, of, of dealing with it, such as, you know, having a towel beside the bed, you know, keeping mm-hmm. fresh uh, nightwear right beside the bed so that they could you know, get changed in the middle of the night. And, you know, they were very, very much more relaxed about it in a sense because they had obviously accepted menopause as being part of of life and uh, you know I suppose if you had a really 
difficult husband that would get pissed off at you because you've if a man gets pissed off of at night. you no if a man <laughs> cannot they can't say anything to us about that we've done enough the fact that we even have to go through that in the end after like that many years on our with our periods is like yeah <laughs> well that, that, there's the good outcome is they're not having periods it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be a plus side <laughs> We are very much looking forward to that. So is that, I mean, I wonder if it's, if the women in that community feel that way because of the open communication they have with older women. Like, do you think that it's kind of passed down that this is going to happen and it's not a big deal and these are the things that we do to cope? Like, I didn't, I actually thought that it was going to be more medical treatments than like lifestyle coping Mm. mechanisms. Well, so I wonder about that. Now, is that because those treatments are really needed or is it because we're told they're needed by industry? But that might, you might want to cut that out. (laughs) No, it's fine. (laughs) We are the rebel mamas. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) We can hide behind our brand. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We're just being rebellious. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of... um, you know, if you look at the history of hormones and things like that, it, you know, there's a been a sort of an upward ramp in the use of um, menopause, uh, menopause treatments, hormones specifically. If you look online, the first thing you look, find when you look up mm-hmm. menopause is hormones and other treatments, other, you know, um, sort of, I don't know what you would call them, natural remedies. So yeah. you don't really see many people saying... Um, you probably need to think about these and whether you really want to take hormones or not, whether you really want to take supplements or not, you know, are there going to be other effects that, uh, that maybe are not all that useful? Um, So, I mean, it's difficult really to come up with a one size fits all. Um, But um, I can't remember where we're going with this. I mean, I was, I love the approach of a kind of looking at the lifestyle of it too, and seeing what we can do on our own first, rather than jumping into meds and stuff like that. Um, And I know you've done a lot of research on the effects of walking on these menopause symptoms. Can you tell us a little bit of that? So really that came out of um, some Uh, focus groups we were doing with women to identify uh, ways that they use themselves to age well and get through menopause. And one of the areas we were interested in, my colleague Beata and myself, were uh, whether walking could be helpful for women. So we we held a few focus groups about whether that would be the case or not. And um, the women were some of them were very active and some of them felt unable to take exercise because they felt so dreadful um but they they then um sort of explained that they would be enthusiastic about walking um but something that they did say was they would like to walk with other women and Mm -hmm. um yeah you need a buddy yeah you do really and um the other thing they they enjoyed was being at the um, focus groups that we held about menopause because everybody in the room was also having a bad time with menopause. So they could really share their own experiences and share um, the tips and and, um, and methods they themselves used. Um, but they were very enthusiastic about the idea of 
exercise and walking specifically because everyone can well not everyone but most people can walk and um you know generally even in this i mean in the city you can go for a walk you don't yeah, have that's to the go thing to it's gym. it can be so passive and we love passive exercise by the way yeah. so we just like walking around the city or going to walk and get your groceries or taking yeah. your dog for a walk or your kids out to the park that's the kind of exercise we do, but I love also the the similarity between having someone in your corner and someone to go through it with is very similar to our motherhood experience and the work that we do in our community is like having those women there to go through together to have you know to meet up in real life and in in similar neighborhoods, but then also swap tips and tricks and kind of get through it together. So I think that's a great point to just have that menopause buddy. Go get yourself a menopause buddy, guys. <laughs> I'm looking up for mine, Holler. <laughs> Taking names and numbers. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's difficult because people don't like to talk about menopause. They're embarrassed mm-hmm. about it, too, until they meet other people who talk about it. And then it's like a damn opening. <laughs> so a stream of consciousness about menopause just comes pouring at you. And, you know, it is like a release, really, the fact that other people are, you know, I mean... I keep saying suffering, but really it's experiencing menopause. Mm-hmm. And if we talk about it as suffering, we're all automatically making it worse than it than it has to be. You Absolutely. Know? So I know that this hasn't had a ton of research just because people haven't been researching it for that long. So what would you say has been the biggest breakthrough in terms of aging and menopause research in the last, say, decade? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think probably if you look back, I mean, I know hormones go back a long way, but I think really all that's really changed with hormone therapies is that they've been kind of tinkering with the different ingredients. And, um, you know, there are literally dozens and dozens of different products that are available. And, um, you know, you can go and you can go and seek specialized um treatment with specialist doctors who will come up with a you know you know a recipe that is apparently uh specifically aimed at your problems and the 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 armamentarium of the drugs that are available are really very similar they're all sort of variations on a theme i do think there is more research going on in exercise and group sharing and things like that and i mean i think that's a you know, I, to me, that would be an ideal way to go forward rather than um, necessarily relying on hormones, which, you know, will only help you for a while and then eventually you have to not use them. It's not an easy thing to deal with. There isn't a super fix. There's not a super fix for any single person really either. And if you prefer to exercise, then that's good. If you prefer to take hormones, then really it's a choice. It's a choice you have to make. I love um, that though. I feel like sometimes maybe women don't feel like they have a choice because they don't have enough information, right? Which is what we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah. And also I think they find it difficult to talk to other people mm-hmm. as well, you know, because they don't think that anybody else will understand them. And uh, that's just the sort of feeling you get is that people are just desperate to speak to somebody else about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to like untaboo the taboos. That's it. Yeah. This episode was created in partnership with the Women's Health Collective Canada, a strategic alliance founded by three of the country's leading women's health and hospital foundations. 
BC Women's Health Foundation, Alberta Women's Health Foundation, and Women's College Hospital Foundation. Women's Health Collective Canada funds groundbreaking research and is leading a call for public support for more research and awareness of the health issues affecting women. Find out more at www.whcc.ca or on Instagram at whccanada. I should put in a put in a plug to say that my research is largely funded by Alberta Women's Health Foundation. And I'm very proud to be associated with them. They're an absolutely brilliant and inspiring bunch. Shout out to Alberta Women's Health Foundation. The best in the West. <laughs> oh no, BC will be upset. <laughs> Sorry, BC, it rhymed. It just came out. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, Alberta's the real West. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the wild West out there. Yeah. All right, we are back with Dr. Sue Ross, and we will get to some more questions. But first, some hard-hitting stats for our listeners that will put into context why we're backing this with all of our efforts. Nikita, take it away. Did you know many prescription drug therapies and treatment protocols still used today have been disproportionately studied on men? Women experience up to 75% of adverse drug reactions, 70% of patients with, quote, medically unexplained symptoms are women, and less than 8% of national funding goes to women's health research. Stats like these infuriate us, and this is why it's so important to have these conversations and keep pushing for the care that we as women deserve. So let's get to those questions. We're going to fire some more at you, Dr. Sue. So what are your thoughts on aging well? I love this concept because nobody really speaks mm -hmm. about aging in this context. So what factors would you say contribute most to maintaining our well-being as we get older? Um, Walking and lifestyle? <laughs> That's about it. You've got it in two words. <laughs> Should we move to Paris? Is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> <laughs> I like their lifestyle. We have to we have to be we have to learn to be resilient to the weather. <laughs> yes. That's true. Even even in the cold, I've taken on walking a lot more since I've had a kid and I'm outside a lot more, both of us are. Um, but I do make the time to even get out for like a 15, 20 minute walk at the end of the day, even if it's just around my neighborhood to get that fresh air. And I'm, I honestly kind of do feel a difference in the way I feel like mentally, even something happens in your brain when you're walking too, like <laughs> all that fresh air It is good. And it's, do you know, it's particularly good at this time of year when you get to go walk around your neighborhood and look at the wonderful decorations. <laughs> so true it is so true as i get older i just i really appreciate that the, everybody contributes to creating the magic yeah, of christmas sure. it really i think it's a really beautiful thing and i totally appreciate walking around more when it's minus 17 this might be a different conversation <laughs> yeah you need to you need to have the uh the right equipment <laughs> yes i guess that's true that. so getting yeah. outside getting outside exercise support support yeah i think those things are good I think support's actually the hardest one to to find because, you know, particularly right now when we're all stuck at home on our own, it's quite a challenge to just reach out to other people. 
And, you know, they're probably sitting at home wanting to reach out to somebody too. But, you know, it just, it just is much harder to make it happen. And, um, you know, similarly, a lot of women don't want to go out on their own to go for a walk. Um, and, uh, you know, particularly in the winter when it's icy and, you know, you're frightened of falling, et cetera, et cetera. It's a, it's a real challenge for women to make that, uh, to make that decision. Um, it's, it's something you have to sort of think about consciously. I mean, it's easy in the summer. You can just nip out during the day and, uh, you know, wander around the neighborhood, look at the gardens, et cetera. But, but it's much harder when you, when you actually have to take 10 minutes to dress up for a 10 minute walk. <laughs> right. Of course. And it's, and it's dark, right. And if you're in a big city that has all kinds of <laughs> different dangerous true. connotations so too, true, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I think that's a, you know, that's a, a, a difficult issue too for um, the women that we uh, talk to in Masquerchis. Now, they're much more sociable than, than I am, for example, but it's hard for them to take exercises, exercise in that way that we can just nip out the front door and go along the street because they don't have that, you know, they live, they're living on reserve. There may not be anywhere they can walk to, um, you know, and in the, in, in in the winter it's really dark because there aren't street lights and things like that i mean it's a whole different different um set of um environmental issues that you're thinking about so i mean the good news in this case is that we're taking it online and we'd love for our community to kind of partake in this conversation at least in the digital space so we can be there for each other that way we have a public community but also a private one um and i think i think that's great if you can't get outside feel free to hop in and use our platforms and our resources to find those ladies and and kind of get through it together yeah, yeah. plan your little walking dates what so many walking dates will be planned we, after this conversation you know, we had, we had the, the, the um the focus groups we had with women about about walking, they were very keen to do that. And uh, we even, we got together with some students in computing sciences and they were going to develop as an app and all the rest of it. And it sort of went okay for a few weeks, but then it just never got finished. And they all went off to do real jobs and stuff like that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was it would be a great idea. It would be really good. And I mean, your work is like a vehicle that can bring women to uh, maybe meet up and go for a walk. It, it doesn't have to be long and arduous. And we were suggesting things like we should have coffee dates at the end of them and, you know, stuff like that to make it seem more yeah. accessible to everybody. Um, but as I say, that was something that really fizzled out just before COVID happened. So, um, <laughs> right. Don't worry. We have something in the oh, works good. that we can tie it into. Stay tuned. Um, so as you said, coffee, actually, I'm interested if there are like nutritional things that women who are going through menopause should be avoiding or like, is coffee okay? Is alcohol okay? Do these things exasperate symptoms? Like, well, no, I think you have to find what, you know, you have to sort of weigh up the costs and benefits don't you I mean you know it's it, yes. every person's going to be different as to what they can what they can do and what they can't do it's like walking some people just will never do it it doesn't matter what you know if it was the last thing 
last option they had in the world, they wouldn't do it. So, I mean, it's just the same. It's, it's personal choice. And really at the yeah. time of menopause, when suddenly you really don't feel like doing anything, uh, let alone going and, and taking exercise or eating sensibly. So, I mean, it's really, really difficult. But, uh, you know, you just have to make your own choices, really. Everybody's different. It's, you know, and it, yeah. it because menopause happens to everybody, it's not just going to, it's, there can't be a one size fits all because, uh, you know, you really yeah. have to um, find your own way. I mean, obviously, everybody, you know, has dietary uh, knowledge and dietary experiences, um, things they like to eat and things they don't like to eat. They know what's good for them and what isn't, but they sometimes make choices based on emotional reasons or, you know, um, you know, it's. Hormonal reasons yes. like chocolate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's good, but it's good to have these conversations early so that you can think about your habits and kind of alter them slowly. So you're not jumping into when you're older, you're like, all of a sudden, I'm going to start walking. If you start getting in those short walks now, then it might be just a, a habit that you build over time. Right? Absolutely. That's the best way is to think of, you know, menopause is just a part of life. And really, everything yeah. that's good yeah. for you when you're young is going to be good for you when you get old. So jolly well, get on and do it. <laughs> Love yeah, it. Exactly. Love Easy it. for me to say. <laughs> yeah. Create some good habits out there, ladies. Yeah. Start your start it now. Yeah. It's, it for sure is much easier. I actually, I started doing yoga when I was 19 because that was my thinking. I was like, I've always been a, I don't know. I preferred exercising my brain than my body my whole life. And I thought, you know what? I need to do something that I can do forever, mm -hmm. that I don't need equipment. Same. I can stretch forever. I can walk forever. I don't need anything to be able to do it. I don't really have to go anywhere to do these things. They just, they were the most practical, sustainable options that I could think of. And I guess that you have now proven me right. So thank you very much, Dr. Sue Ross. Thanks, Dr. Sue. <laughs> we love nothing more than being proven right. Oh, yes. Well, me too. I'm glad to meet, I'm glad to meet light minded people. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So I have a question because I feel like women are out here figuring this all out for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of research. I mean, I don't really want to call it research when people are Googling things, but. People are really trying to support themselves on this because there's kind of seems like there's a lack of support from GPs and a lack of knowledge anyway. So if somebody right now is in the throes of menopause and they're deep into their own research, what is the best advice you can give to somebody who's doing that right now? How can they best advocate for themselves in a medical setting? I think you probably ought to think about what are the things that are concerning you most about menopause, because there are, as you say, so many symptoms, so many different ways of experiencing menopause that really you need to kind of write down what it is that's mm -hmm. upsetting you about menopause. What is it that you can or can't do um, whether it's mental um, or physical and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah. Yeah. And then you know, by just doing that, you may find you don't really need the doctor. Uh, you know, right. try some Who options needs for yourself. <laughs> well, I'm not that kind of doctor. So. <laughs> well, we definitely don't need any more Dr. Google because that shit is usually oh, yeah. scarier than it actually needs oh, to be. So. Absolutely. That's what we need is common sense in terms yes. of menopause and mm -hmm. talking to other people. And those really 
basic things that everybody needs about everything in their life, really, um, but uh, are difficult nonetheless to actually put into your life, particularly if you have a family and, you know, you're being torn in 25 different directions at the mm-hmm. same time. So really, I would say, put yourself first and think what your priorities are. Um, and, you know, you might need a lot of effort to make them actually happen. So, um, you know, to, to make yourself go out and do a walk or eat healthy. Um, but, it, you know, eating healthy doesn't mean that you have to spend more time cooking or anything like that. It just means making different choices and, uh, you know, there's all those sort of things that you could look into that would help you to, uh, you know, um, achieve the goals that you're aiming for. Um, but I think it's really, it's kind of putting yourself first and um, seeking help from others and uh, just analyzing what you think is the most important thing for you. Yeah, that's great advice. Put yourself first. Well, we all find that hard, right? It, we do. And, and as, as women and as moms, and typically we put ourselves last and everybody else goes first. So yes, you know, and we always say to our audience, you can't pour from an empty cup. So you have to take care of yourself first for your family to reap the benefits of, of you, right? So, and for you to reap the benefits of, course, of you. Yeah. <laughs> and you, and you yourself. More importantly. <laughs> me, me, me. Um, <laughs> But as our last question, because we can't let you go without touching on this, your other area of expertise being pelvic floor disorders, how common are pelvic floor disorders in women and moms? And what is available right now in terms of prevention and treatment? Well, it's very prevalent. I mean, you see all sorts of numbers bandied about and you can't really tell what the true number is uh, because, of course, people who, who go and see a physician are at the sort of the worst end and you can't really tell if they're the standard. Yeah, there's, there's lots of things you can do. Um, you know, you can do pelvic floor um, exercises and those are simple and there's the Kegels. a million things online. Yeah. There's loads of it. Loads of there's loads new products now online. too. We're seeing oh, yeah. a lot of products that can yeah. do that. And then we've also tried those uh, radio frequency wave. Um, oh, did you? Yeah. How did that go? It went great actually because I oh, was. Really? <laughs> yes. I was. Um, my issue was I was waking in the night more often to pee, and oh, it was driving yeah. me crazy. Like I couldn't make it through a night, and so yeah. uh, we had a little bit of a, a partnership with with that company and, and I tried the treatment it did help so I, I can't say it yeah. didn't so yeah yeah I mean it, it's again it's just finding the thing the routine or the whatever it is that really suits you isn't it and one that you can do in your life style and you know I, I don't think that again there's not really one size fits all mm-hmm. but I mean you can't just lie there in the middle of the night worrying about it that's not going to help yeah. anybody well, so, luckily, uh, there's yeah. more and more treatments and, and stuff mm-hmm. available than ever before. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Mm-hmm. And people, yeah. I find people are really going to see pelvic floor specialists yeah. now after giving birth at a rate that they weren't really mm-hmm. even a decade ago. Like, mm-hmm. it really is becoming more common because people are realizing you don't necessarily have to just 
deal with incontinence for the rest of your life after having a baby. Like there yeah. are things because for a long yeah. time that was the rhetoric. Like, oh, yeah. well, you're a mom, so it's you're gonna pee your now pants you're gonna now. pee Sorry. your pants when you yeah. laugh and like yeah. you can't do anything what about is it. That? Like- <laughs> Crazy, crazy. But yeah, yeah. I, I find that now people are really. Yeah. I mean, in France, isn't it covered by all insurance? Like, don't oh, is people it? I didn't automatically know that. Back to go, France. Yeah. Back to Paris we go. <laughs> <laughs> Making oh, big yeah. retirement plans over here. Yes. <laughs> Based on menopause. <laughs> yes. We need a walking environment. Okay, we're yeah. going to need some facades for fuel. Some lifestyle okay. changes. <laughs> Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. definitely. No, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's just too easy not to take control over the, over your health issues in that way. But, uh, you know, your podcast is brilliant in bringing those ideas to people and, and, you know, making them think about them, even if they don't do them, they know no. there are options, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and that makes a real big difference. Just so, planting uh, the seeds, just planting yeah. seeds and seeing what yeah. happens. Yeah, <laughs> seeing where yeah. they'll go. Well, this yeah. has been amazing. Thank you so much. This has been so insightful and we've learned so much and I'm sure we'll be contacting you in the future for more advice as we <laughs> ourselves start to enter into this. Hey, Sue. Hey, Sue. We have questions. Um, but thank you for the work that yeah. you do to improve the healthcare landscape for women. We're so appreciative of all of your research. And thank you for taking the time to come here and share your findings with us and our community. We're super, super grateful. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm good. Really and now I'm going to sign on, even though I'm not a mother. I'm not a, you know. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> demographic. You're a woman. So happy to have you. Yes, totally. Yeah. Amazing. Sounds great. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Okay then. Uh, how much do we love our new friend, Dr. Sue Ross? That was such a great conversation. I honestly feel so much better about the impending menopause that will undoubtedly hit. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Menopause literally happens to 100% of women. So why not be ready for it? As you may already know, everybody, menopause marks the end of your menstrual cycle. Bless. But obviously, it comes with its own slew of symptoms and side effects. So the more we know now, the better. Yeah. It's never a dull moment over here in the life of a woman. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, you can definitely count on more walks from me. I'm going to make that a lifelong habit, I think. Long walks around Paris, you mean? Obviously, babe. (laughs) Well, thank you so much to everybody who joined us today for this episode. We hope you found this first of three episodes insightful next week we're going to be discussing mental health so make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss it we'll also be rolling out more info as a part of this women's health initiative over the next few weeks on the blog and through our newsletter so stay tuned yes and if you're interested in more information on our campaign with the whcc check out therebelmama.com or head to instagram at therebelmama for the latest We also encourage you to amplify our message by sharing your stories and tagging us on socials. The more we know and demand, the better off we'll be. You got that right. Well, as always, do not forget to subscribe, rate, or review, and share this episode with every woman you know. Every one of them. Ciao for now. Bye, everyone. 
The song you're listening to is called Name a Number off the debut album Unrequited by Roshan. Stream it now on Apple Music.